Well, here we are again, and it's, what is it? It's going to be the, uh, by the time you get this, it's going to be the 25th, probably, of September. I don't know what to do, weep or cry or laugh at the whole fiasco. My daughter's a Washington Post journalist. She's in and out of there, uh, and and it worries me. I get worried about the situation in Ukraine, and I've got skin in the game. So, and my wife and I are concerned. That, but then the whole world is concerned, and we speak to the Russians. We speak to the Russians endlessly, and and at a, quite a senior level. And maybe you need, and I need, to wake up to the Russian perspective and understand it, because it is concerning. I mean, Russia will not stop its special military operation in the in Ukraine in the until the Donbas region of Ukraine is fully controlled by Russia. They have said that. They have said that. They repeated it. Now, Putin is calling up the reserves. I mean, this is for. Russians, this is just us for Ukrainians. This is an existential issue. And Russians regard the reunification of Ukraine, at least the Donbass and Russia, as ultimately inevitable. I mean, they must have this. At least when I say Russians, Russians, the head of our Russian unit is a young lady, Maria, and she doesn't feel the same. She is most assuredly concerned, as are many young Russians, about the situation, and and it has disturbed her acutely. So, so we're split here. We're split. Russia is split. The older generation regard this as, yeah, as an inevitable existential issue. They, they, they are concerned. I mean, they come up with some really strange things. Uh, the older generation of Russians, they, they're concerned about uh, the possibility of Ukraine using nuclear weapons against Russia. Ukraine has no nuclear weapons. They get, Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons. But rational thought in, in the face of a crisis is sometimes hard to find. Uh, Russia is very... Uh, there's a lot of Russia's, Russia's frustration about the coup d'etat in in Ukraine in 2014, uh, the overthrow of what they regard as the democratically elected president. And we have now this war in Lugansk and Donetsk in the Donbass region. These the two provinces of the Donbass, of course, Lugansk and Donetsk. And uh, from a Russian perspective, the, the killings have been of Russians in Lugansk and Donetsk. You may not like to hear that, but, you know, I mean, you only have to watch, listen to Lise Doucette's reports from areas reoccupied, and when she interviews Russians, they say uh, it was fine under Russian control, you know, um, reoccupied, sorry, reoccupied, areas liberated by Ukraine. We have kind of a difference in perspective. According to the Russians, the Ukraine's forces have killed up to 14,000 people in the Donbass with their shelling. Now, okay, it's a fiction. It's a fiction. 
you, you, you take it or you leave it. But I'm just telling you, this is the, Russia has a fear. So they, they say, the Russians say, Moscow has been calling on Kiev for dialogue with regard to the Donbass for eight long years. But, I mean, this is a Russian perspective. Ukraine's government has declared the Donbass population of terrorists and refused to implement the Minsk Agreement from 2014. So, from a Russian perspective, you have right-wing extremists, growing influence, the Azov Brigade. And from his perspective, I mean, when I say his, the, our senior Russian interlocutor, yeah, Professor Medvedko, I mean, who's a senior advisor on foreign policy. From his perspective, Ukraine is undergoing a wave of right-wing extremism, and the Western media is ignoring that. I mean, of course, our own uh, head of our Russia unit, Maria Sapozhnikova, uh, she says, you know, it was a sovereign country invaded by Russia. And, I mean, of course, there are many, 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 many lives lost on all sides. And, of course, the Next Century Foundation holds the position that the Ukraine war is detrimental to both sides, and something must do be done to stop Ukraine drawing into a long, drawn-out conflict. Of course, the government of Ukraine, Ukraine won't enter dialogue uh, in a situation where Russia is claiming the Donbass, and, and uh, yeah, we know this. And we have a referendum, and Russia will incorporate the Donbass into Russia. Great. I mean, we are at a kind of a dead end here, with Russia calling up its reserves and threatening the use of nuclear weapons. God forbid. What are you going to do with nuclear weapons? So we're talking about a threat to actually bring the world to the brink of extinction. And, yeah, a dog cornered is dangerous. Remember that. And we have cornered Russia. What we've created, of course, is a new China-Sino-Russian alliance. China is thrilled. China is also stupid. Bloody stupid. Sorry, forgive me, but honestly... If it wanted to um, reoccupy or occupy Formosa, Taiwan, call it what you will, they had their opportunity. They could have done it at the same time as Russia moved into the Donbass, and the whole world would have been blindsided. But no, China was a sissy. <laughs> They've lost their chance forever now. Yeah, which is maybe a good thing. They've lost their chance at taking Taiwan because Biden has come out like a bull in a china shop. He said, we'll go to war for Taiwan. Oh, my goodness. All this braggadocio from Russia, from Putin and, and Biden. Dangerous men. Dangerous men let alone the new British Prime Minister, 
who rides on the tank on at the drop of a hat. She's there, she's there. Come on, war, she says. She wants victory. Yeah, we need peace and harmony. We need a, a chance at peace and harmony. And it is very important to do one little thing, to talk and listen to the other side, to listen to your enemies. The Prophet Muhammad did that. He listened to his enemies. But the British don't. The Americans don't. We, we need, to, need to listen to our enemies and see if we can do a deal. We can't? No, we can't? Let Ukraine burn, you mean? Okay. No, we need, we need to keep an element of hope, and we need, we need talks without precondition. The interests of the ordinary people should be our priority, not the interests of Liz Truss or President Biden or Mr. Putin. No, the interests of the ordinary people are the ordinary people of Ukraine need peace, need stability, need an end to war. Because, you know, bombing and bombing and ratcheting up and ratcheting it up is evil. We need peace in Ukraine. We need to have the energy to promote peace in Ukraine. We need one thing and one thing only. And that's to talk to our enemies. Small call. And then we have a measure of hope. But it's not happening, is it? Wake up, world. I mean, this applies to Ukraine. It applies to Russia. It applies to Britain. It applies to America. These are the four powers that are romping ahead to hate and kill. Wake up, world, and let's have a little talking to one another. Cost nothing. Just have to talk and listen. Cost nothing. My wife, Veronica, always quotes this phrase, um, no greater mistake was made than by he who did nothing because he could only do a little. Talking is a little, but it's a big little. And we need conversations. And we at the Next Century Foundation should not be the only kids on the block talking to the Russians. For goodness sake. You want peace or we don't want peace? You want to go on endless war in Europe? Or on the edge of Europe, at least? Not the answer. We need militant hope and we need conversations. For God's sake, in the name of God, we need conversations with our enemies. We're just not up to scratch. Time for us to behave like adults instead of like children. God bless you all. Thank you.